0: This is Aspiring Altruists, the show where you'll hear the stories of young professionals in the nonprofit sector working to change the world. We'll dive into their backgrounds, hear about the work they do, and ultimately learn how they got to where they are and how you can do the same. With the nonprofit sector comprising one of the largest U.S. workforces by tackling the world's biggest problems across nine major categories, you may just hear something that could change your life, and through it, the lives of countless others. On today's show, we're going to be hearing from a young woman who's passionate about helping others, especially minorities and the disadvantaged, Justine Zawatsky. Justine is a program manager at Upworthy Global, a national nonprofit helping immigrant, refugee, and asylee professionals rebuild their careers in the United States. Her work involves building strategic relationships with local and national corporate and nonprofit partners and doing outreach to grow the organization's local community, employer, and referral partners. So, let's hear from Justine.
1: So, Justine, it seems like you've always had an interest in working with those who are marginalized—from those with disabilities to now working with immigrants and refugees. What compelled you to do this kind of work? You know, where did that interest originate from? Yeah,
2: good question, Adam. Um, I think I. I always, growing up, thought I wanted to be a teacher. Um, My mom was Mm -hmm. in education, so I used to observe her classroom growing up, and um, I really enjoyed specifically working in the special education classrooms with her. Um, So I actually started in in undergrad as an education major, uh, then realized my junior year that uh, I did not want to be in a classroom, (laughs) so pretty Mm -hmm. late in my... (laughs) In my undergrad experience. But um, I talked to my advisor and one of my friends at at Penn State and uh, they told me about the human services major, which a lot of the credits overlapped. So I started learning more about psychology and uh, disability services and case management. And uh, I also specialized uh, in my minor in special education. So I I still wanted to stay on that track to some regard. So so it, it was kind of a leap changing majors, but, and human services was super broad. A lot of people come out of school doing case management work or um, staying, working in like mental health services or something Mm -hmm. in that regard. And um, I ended up interning uh, part of our, our school was an internship for our last semester. And I interned with a special education classroom that was for transitioning students called lifelink at Penn state. And they it was for students that were looking to integrate into the higher education setting uh, in their special education curriculum. So I interned there for a semester and uh, it was really interesting to me uh, learning about how education um for special education students after after they graduate like what happens right and uh, it's not as simple of a transition as many people coming out of high school going to college right a lot mm. of people don't end up going to college who who were in special education which is uh, there are people that obviously that that do um right. but it was the the education level um of people who attend college was really low and uh, so that transition to work for some of the special education students was so so important and I always thought that was really interesting and in that transition time and just families were so nervous about mm. steps for their for their uh, family members so that was how I kind of got interested in this type of work I learned about what job coaches did and um, and how to help support students in and learning and creating accommodations in the workplace, so um, I got really excited around that t- type of work. So uh, my first professional job, I worked at Seek for mm-hmm. six years, and um, five of those years were, were working in transitioning youth programs called specifically called Project Search. Um, and I learned really quickly that I I really enjoyed figuring out people's strengths and how they can contribute into different places within the workforce and and different professions and industries and uh that was always really exciting for me so that's kind of how i found myself at upglow i i worked with transitioning youth which at seek which later transitioned to working with adults in similar similar type of work with their community engagement network and then at upglow i was i I found myself wanting to work with adults and figure in a, a different community that was facing really similar challenges right so we work with professional immigrants and refugees who have just uh, entered the United States five years or less and uh, are looking to navigate this really complex workforce that we have and uh, right. all intricacies and uh, applying online, having a one page resume, even if you have sometimes 10 years of experience, so many strange mm. things about the U S workforce that people have a tough time navigating. So yeah, I've been working with Upco and I, it's just really interesting to see um the different challenges that people face. And, and I'm really excited to be working with such qualified job seekers that are really interested in getting back into the workforce. And mm. every person I work with, I, I it's like figuring out a puzzle. Where do you fit best into the workforce? How can you use your transferable skills from your uh, past experience to to get back into your profession here in the US, back into a professional role? Because you're a lot of the people we work with are not currently utilizing their skill set or their education. So um, how do we get those people back into their field? So
1: you were talking about within that about how you in undergrad figured out that you didn't want to be in the classroom, but you still wanted to be working with young people. What was it that led to that realizing that the classroom wasn't the place, but that there was still something to that, just maybe in a more Kind of your current spot more in an organization rather than directly one on one with students or young people looking to teach them as a teacher
2: yeah i, I <laughs> I'm naturally pretty introverted but i which I found out pretty late in life. Um, So standing up in front of a classroom all day long was pretty challenging for me to think about. Mm. Um, And just the same setting every day. And um, the the part of my work at SEEK that was so interesting to me was uh, you were we were literally on our feet uh, as a job coach all day long going to work with people in their workplaces and find accommodations uh, to help them do their work independently. And, but that uh, we could be in five different places in one day, in different work settings with people, um, which I thought was really exciting. It it was, you were constantly doing something new. It was new changes, new challenges, and, uh, but still working in that education space in a sense, it wasn't necessarily, teaching people I guess there's some component of teaching and job coaching and uh, you you're working directly with young adults or adults and um but but it wasn't necessarily standing up in front of a classroom and and leading lessons and so I I think that's kind of where I saw that shift
1: that makes sense definitely into a a different kind of setting but still uh the important work of working one-on-one with people what was it that led to the transition from where you were at seek to your current organization
2: yeah i i have always been re- just really interested in um i mean so inclusion in general and, and inclusion diversity and inclusion and incorporates so many different groups of people and, and challenges and um so i i think the the thing that's been so interesting to me about upwardly global is it's working with a whole uh, entirely different group of people but um than I was experiencing at SEEK. And I was—I had worked mainly throughout my time with SEEK with young adults. And um, it was really interesting to me to hear these professionals with 15 years of experience, right, uh, that are having a tough time finding work here. That just mm. didn't make sense to me in my mind. So um, right. the, that's why the work at UpClose was just really interesting to me. And during a time when it's, um, I mean, there's uh, all of the job seekers we work with have so much contribute to contribute to our workforce. And um, it's just opening, helping to open those doors and navigate the the, the workforce here that um, that is the work that we do. And I found that really interesting. And it was aligned with the stuff that I used to do and the work in workforce that I used to do just in kind of a, a different capacity.
1: So what surprises have you faced in your career doing the work you've have done and are doing and how have those affected you?
2: Coming out of school, I guess I I was ready to just work. <laughs> and, mm. um, I've always really enjoyed working. And um, I guess I, I kind of saw my educate, like at least professional education ending after undergrad. I never saw myself going back to grad school, but here I am in grad mm. school. So I think that's definitely a surprise. I, I got through five years of, of work um, in the professional setting. and was like, wow, I think there's more that I, I still really need to go back and learn about um, in a more str- strategic level of of learning more about how the finances contribute to nonprofits and uh, strategic planning and how nonprofits and government and the public sector all align. And there was a lot I still needed to to learn that I wasn't necessarily getting uh, hands on in the work that I was doing. So I think that was a surprise to me. I I personally love taking training and doing education related things, but um, I I never saw myself going back to grad school. So that was a surprise.
1: So broadening, needing to broaden your understanding of the whole kind of sector, all of the different aspects that go into making nonprofits run.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's all fueled
1: into continuing success.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And just even if as I continue in in my career, just having a better understanding of how, um, because all nonprofits work so different, right? And they're, they're, even from my previous experience, the work that I'm doing now, the way that the nonprofits are funded and um, the way that they carry out their work is, is so different. And I, I'm realizing that there's so, there's more, there's different structures to nonprofits, and there's so much to learn and about the intricacies within all levels of nonprofits. So it's I'm getting my M- MPA now, and uh, it's giving me a little bit more insight that I didn't know before. So, yeah.
1: Why did you choose uh, the different kinds of masters that are out there they are often in common or in that regard, or either the MPA, like you mentioned you're doing or an MBA? Um, Why was it that you chose the MPA or the MBA or anything else?
2: Yeah, that uh, public administration just made sense just on the, on the path that I had going and I've been going and I, I think for me, I'm specializing in public budgeting and finance. Um, mm. On top of it, and because I haven't had as much exposure to the financial side of nonprofits through my experience, so I knew I needed to learn that, and that was a skill that I still needed to improve on. And I worked a lot with government in partnership through nonprofits and government agencies on on programs, but never understood necessarily how the funding uh, contributed to our work or how uh, the government provides funding because I was always like, this, we get funded by the government and uh, we only get this much money. Why, how does that work? And I didn't really understand a, a lot about how government gets um, funds programs like the ones mm. that I worked with. So it, that was important for me. And uh, so an MPA made sense.
1: Is there anything in terms of like a common... Myth about the work that you do that you'd wanna debunk, tell the listeners, and what, if so, what would that be?
2: Hmm, I think not necessarily about the the, the work that I I do. I, I can't think of anything specifically about nonprofits to debunk, but um, I think just going into the nonprofit sector or even in an in education. I coming out of school with a specific degree. It's, I think people sometimes put themselves in a, in a, in a, in a box of experience, right? So like, if you've oh. done, if you've only done workforce related work, you can't do other types of work. Like you, uh, you have to stay in that career path. And I've learned a lot through this work and in, in helping people, other people navigate their job search that, there are so many transferable skills that you learn in nonprofits that you can transfer elsewhere. So if you are really interested in getting into nonprofit work, it, it, isn't, it doesn't have to be your end all or vice versa. If you're working in, a, in the private sector, a lot of the skills that people come to us within the organizations that I've worked in um, from the private sector, there's so many transferable skills within. So I think that's something that I've, I've learned a lot about
1: I was thinking about you were talking about in terms of putting yourself in a box, is there anything that people should be looking out for to keep their options open and not potentially get themselves in a box uh, if yeah. they're looking at as they're looking at their careers?
2: Yeah that's a good question i I think um one one thing i, I learned pretty late as well i I think it taking note of the things that you're doing and that you're learning because when you go back to write a resume five years later after you've been working i remember Mm -hmm. when i was looking to to write my resume when i was transitioning out of my first employer i i was like what did i do the past five years (laughs) right Uh, but (laughs) taking and you forget projects and different things and initiatives that you've worked on within your role that were not a huge part of your role, but that we're different in an experience that can translate into other things. Um, so taking note of those experiences as you're doing them or, or experiencing them throughout your work. Um, I sometimes put a note, notes in my phone in, in the notes section of like, when I've done something different or new in my job, like, so that I, I can go back and speak to those things later. Right. right. Um, I think that's, that's always really helpful. And also just continuing. I mean, not everybody needs a master's degree. You don't need it. It's not something that is, that is mm. uh, training and volunteering and getting out there and learning about other things that exist. Like I, I remember sitting down with somebody. Um, I went to a mentorship, uh, a mentorship event, and uh, I sat down with this woman afterwards, and she was talking about foundations and I came into nonprofits thinking like nonprofits were direct service work and they do this, this, and this. And I had a very narrow mindset of what a nonprofit does coming out of school. And she was talking about foundations and like what they do for work. And I was like, wow, this is a whole nother side of nonprofits. I didn't even know existed. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. But also do really cool work. So I think as, as people, go through their careers, just continuing to learn what else is out there and, and trying some of those things or asking to try them in their work. Like I've, I've always, if I want to learn something within the workplace and I, I, fundraising seems cool, right? Like how can I get involved in projects within my organization, um, to try those things out, uh, to see if it's something I might like to learn more about or get involved in.
1: Yeah. That's something I know that, I've definitely experienced myself is kind of the uh, realizing how many different kinds of things there are in the nonprofit sector, how broad it is, how many different types of organizations and the different kinds of work and roles that even exist within those organizations. So exploring is certainly a big piece of it. Definitely. Uh, You've kind of talked about it some here already, but is there anything in terms of skills or interests, somebody looking to do the kind of work that you're doing should have?
2: Yeah, I think in any of my experiences, it's been, you really have to be flexible and adaptable um, Mm -hmm. and comfortable with ambiguity because you wear so many hats often in nonprofits. It's, Right. You, you may be doing direct service work, but the next day you're out uh, at an employer talking to them, to, almost like in a sales role, going out and trying mm. to sell your your services, your program, and right? you you wear a ton of different hats and and you should be, feel comfortable doing different mm-hmm. roles. Um, often nonprofits are pretty lean, right, in the way that they function and uh, the amount of employees that they have on projects or prog- within programs. So. Uh, you get to try a little bit of every role naturally, so, <laughs> so uh, being comfortable with that and being a cru- uh, a curious person, I feel like, is pretty important.
1: Right. Yeah. Definitely. uh Again, there are a lot of different aspects. The nonprofits haven't been in the sector myself for a few years. That's certainly true of there being a lot of different uh, a lot of different hats <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> from even within a, within a single day.
2: For people who like that it's exciting right like your your days never look the same. You do a bunch of a ton of different roles and uh but for someone who may and again, all that look different I've only worked in two but um, right. for someone who really enjoys structure or doing exactly what is on your job description I've never seen that to be true <laughs> in, in, um in in the work that i've done it's it's not you're not just limited to words on a on a job description you do so much more.
1: Right. And those two organizations that you've mostly been in, were those smaller size or medium or larger? How would you describe in terms of the, the environment and the culture with them?
2: Yeah. The, the first organization that I worked at was uh, in, just in Maryland in DC. So uh, mm. smaller, I guess, larger in, in size for for a regional nonprofit, but um mm. But uh, that it was just in the, the DMB region. and um, currently the nonprofit I work with is national, so but not, wow. um, but not huge in, in terms of employee size. So I, I think um, they're diff- very different um, in, in the sense like we had a, a, there were a ton of employees that worked at the, the first nonprofit I worked at. And, um, but many of the, the people that worked were, For them, we're out in the field, so you didn't see them Mm -hmm. day-to-day, so didn't realize maybe how big the organization was. Um, And currently, uh, we have smaller teams, uh, but we're just spread nationally. So um, it's it's a different sense.
1: Right. And I mean, I guess now, given that Romo work is suddenly the norm for all of us, the uh, idea of different team size can be a strange feeling regardless. Yeah.
2: Totally, uh, it's a, it's strange not not seeing people in person, and uh, but it does, especially like for for people who are spread across the U.S. Right, and a national organization, it does create a, a sense of community among the the teams that are we're all remote now, right? So there's right. more collaboration that we're trying to do uh, together. So I think it's it's almost a bonus in a sense too.
1: Is there anything in terms of beyond? Your day to day work, you know, the actual actual job that you're in that connects to the work you do, like anything beyond the office that is a part of the mission that you're a part of.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, her, I used to volunteer more than I do now, just because <laughs> of grad school. But uh, the, I I volunteer at YMPNDC. and um, mm. so they I, they have locations not just in D.C. I don't know where the other, but many cities um, around the U.S. have a YMPN uh, structure from what I understand, but uh, it's a good way to network with other people. And in the nonprofit profession, you learn so much about what what other people are doing and what type different types of work that I didn't even know existed in D.C. and Maryland. So um, I think uh, getting involved with those types of volunteer opportunities, I, I joined a gala committee for from my previous organization I worked with and to help with like some fundraising efforts. And uh, so just staying involved as much as I can with projects or volunteer opportunities.
1: Right. Yeah. I've definitely haven't been connected with YNPN myself can definitely also vouch for uh, being a a good community for anybody looking to be in, or that's currently in the nonprofit sector here in DC or elsewhere, wherever the, the chapters are based.
2: For sure, and it it seems like a really good place. They they have monthly um, opportunities for people to nonprofit professionals working um, in the field just to talk through challenges that people face and within the nonprofit uh, sector. So there's there's a lot of opportunity, not just to to network, but also to to talk about things among different organizations and learn more um, right. about how to confront challenges within your own workplace or um, Or your career. So yeah, it's a really good opportunity. Anyone should check it out who is uh, looking to to grow your network and just stay connected with other people in the field.
1: Right. And I guess along those lines, is there any anywhere else that you feel like listeners should check out if they're considering this kind of work? You know, things they should try or people they should speak with?
2: Yeah, I'm a big fan of LinkedIn. So Mm. (laughs) I I really do believe in uh, reaching out to to people through LinkedIn and places that you, um, they have groups on LinkedIn, like the nonprofit groups and, uh, just reaching out to people and organizations that you think might be interesting or your mission, the mission, their mission resonates with you, uh, just to learn more about what people do in, in different roles and, um, And it's a good way. There are often volunteer opportunities within a lot of nonprofit organizations. I know that Seek has a lot of ways to volunteer. League Global does as well. And there's a lot of ways for people to get involved in the work that nonprofits do um, without working for them. So you can can volunteer time on the side too. So that's also a really good way um, to, to learn more about different types of work.
1: Yeah, as well as just a good way to test out the different things that you might like doing. For um, sure. Definitely volunteering.
2: Gets you in front of the employer too, right? So if you have a that's really good volunteer experience, uh, it could often lead to to professional opportunities.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I mean, I know that's how you and I had originally connected was just me having reached out on, on LinkedIn. Um, so I guess I can vouch for saying that it works in terms of connecting <laughs> with people. For sure. Uh, and I guess along those lines, is there anywhere that, you know, if our listeners want to connect with you and hear more of your story, uh, where should they connect with you?
2: LinkedIn is probably the easiest way. Um, my, I don't even know what my LinkedIn name is, but if you search me, I don't know how many Justine Zawatsky's there are. So I
1: think right.
2: it should be pretty easy to find.
1: Well, I guess one, one last thing for you, you know, if there's any, if there were one thing you could, tell to the listeners out there considering working in the nonprofit sector, what would that thing be?
2: I would probably say you, you'll never be bored. I, I mm. think that's what I've learned that you, you don't, there's not a dull day in the work that I've done and um, it's, you learn a lot about yourself, especially if you're working in community-based work or um, in any direct service capacity. Uh, you learn a lot about yourself. Uh, you learn patience and leadership in ways that you didn't expect. And uh, there's also just so much opportunity for growth and, and learning new things. So I think, yeah, you won't be bored.
1: Well, definitely. Thanks for taking the time to share your story here, kind of telling people about what your experience in the nonprofit sector has been like. Um, and yeah, I'll, I'll link to your profile as well as your organization down in the show notes for anybody interested in finding out more. Um, and also probably put links to YNPN since we had talked about that. Um, and so yeah, definitely thanks again for taking the time to share your story.
2: Sounds great. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Hey everyone. Thanks for tuning in to today's show. Hopefully you learned something new about the work happening in the nonprofit sector and were inspired to get involved. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe and leave a review wherever you're listening from. If you want to learn more about today's guest, how you can contact them, and explore the organization they work for, check out the show notes. But that'll do it for this episode. Come back next time to hear from yet another aspiring altruist.